This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 279, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 279. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm back with Ron Richards. Uh, it's good to be back with you, Connor. And Josh Flanagan, who never left. You guys got awful chummy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've been through it's like we've been through the uh, three cons in five weeks. I feel like that Band of Brothers episode where the one guy came back and he'd been in the hospital the whole time, and they were like, What do you oh, want? Yeah, He's like, I, yeah. I came up with you, David Webster. Yep. Yeah, Webster. He wrote the whole book. Yeah, anyway, why don't you walk, in the back, walk behind the truck for a while. While we oh. say, I am, but we're iFanboy.com, we like comics, we read comics, every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one that they like the best, writes about it on the website, talks about it on the podcast, along with other books of the week, other topics of interest, all kinds of fun things happen while we are here doing the show every week for the rest of our lives. Before we get to the show, quick reminder and a warning, this is a review show, so we'll be talking about the books, the books of the week and what happened in them, so if you've read them yet, pause the show and come back. It will have a lower stress level on you. Lower, lower stress is good for you. It's a good, healthy yeah. thing. You should watch your cholesterol, well, it, too. It will yeah. not have a deleterious effect. Yeah. Exactly. So positive show come back. None of us will mind. We'll, we won't take it personally. A little. No, I won't. I'm okay. I'm okay uh, with it. I'm okay with it, really. Ron, yeah. you got to experience just a smidge of what Josh did when he picked Scalped over Blackest Night last year. I don't I don't really I, I felt that I felt that that backlash was much larger than this backlash. That's why I said a smidge. Yeah, it's just a smidge. Yeah, just that not little, you got a little bit. I got a little, little bit, a little bit. You you know only a little bit what it feels like to be me. It was a, it was a big week for comics. It was it was actually a really big quality week. So there was a lot like Image had a ton of solid stuff. Yeah. I had um, a few books but they were all really strong. Yeah, exactly. Um we had, you know, a major major kind of uh review and over in DC, we had major event launching over at Marvel. It, w- it was not. It w- let's just say some weeks are easier than others. But every now and then, a, a book sneaks through and surprises you. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of what happened here uh, this week with my pick of the week of Uncanny X Men five thirty four. Point one. <laughs> the so, point one makes the, the debut with the pick. Yes, the point one. Wow, point one actually got a pick of the week. And, you know, deservedly so, because this was the only fucking point one book that I feel, and I didn't read them all. Admittedly, I didn't read every point one, but I've read a lot of them. I, did, I, I read one other one. No, no, what no, I've read a lot of them. I mean, I read Spider-Man, I read X-Force, Wolverine. I read Wolverine, I read... Oh. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't even know which ones I've missed. But anyway, this was the only book that I've read that actually, from what I understand what the point one mandate is, is to give a story that is an opportunity for new readers, whether they're lapsed or just brand new readers, to sample the book, see what it's all about, and a good jumping on point. That's what I understood point ones are supposed to be. 
and maybe because Uncanny X-Men was lucky because of scheduling, because they just finished a story arc and they're just about to start a new one, that it was able to give this little single issue slide into place and not have it be disruptive or anything like that. But this, for me, edged out Wolverine 5.1 as the best point one issue so far. Not to say that that issue of Wolverine by Jason Aaron and whoever did the art wasn't great. It was great, but it, it, the problem was is that the next issue was completely like baffling for a new reader. So, right. Because it's the middle of a story arc. Uh, yeah, so that was a really good issue, but it didn't accomplish that exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and and the, the accomplishment of the point one isn't the reason why I picked this either. Too, that's just that that's more of just a little bonus feature. But this, this was so this was Kieran Gillen's first issue as the sole writer. Previously, for the past few issues, he's been co-writing with Matt Fraction, and I really felt as if you know. A, I like I, – I, everybody already knows I like Kieran Gillen as a writer. I'm a huge fan of Phonogram. I, I like all the stuff he's done up to this point. Um, him doing the X-Men, I was very happy with. I'm cool. But I really like his voice with the characters. I feel as if he, he he's writing them in a way that is familiar to me as a longtime reader. And no, you know, no, no dialogue, no actions, nothing felt out of character or weird or out of place or anything like that. Everything just kind of clicked. Which, as an X Men fan, is what I, I kind of like and enjoy. This issue is an it was an interesting issue in that it was um, it's a one and done, and really kind of had two storylines going through it. We we open up, we get introduced to Marvel's uh, not Marvel, um, the X Men's PR uh, Maven, and she's bringing in a photographer to take pictures of Magneto because the X Men are now going to go public with the fact that Magneto is amongst the ranks. And based off the last time the public saw Magneto, he was crazy and destroying New York and reversing the magnetic poles, even though it wasn't actually Magneto. But the world <laughs> thinks that it was Magneto, and that's a PR problem. And so, um, that, yes, po- yeah, so that poses an, in- an interesting, interesting challenge there. Then at the same time, you've got some guys who are pretending to be AIM, uh, AIM uh, members of AIM, AIM, I was going to say AIM characters, AIM employees, AIM dudes, extorting businesses in San Francisco and threatening with earthquakes. And so the mayor of San Francisco picks up the phone, calls Cyclops and says, hey, you know, where are the heroes? We need them. You got an hour before this major earthquake is going to hit. So we've got two parallel stories going on. We've got the PR woman talking to Magneto about what is, um, you know, public opinion. Is it better to be loved or feared? And that whole kind of conversation. Then at the same time, you've got the X-Men doing what we've been promised the X-Men would be since Whedon came on Astonishing X-Men, which would be very public out in the open heroes. You know, the scene where Cyclops and Wolverine and Colossus and Emma run into the Blackbird and they're strategizing what the plan is. I got, I got giddy. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And we see the team over an hour, you know, systematically, you know, get to the bottom of what's going on. Wolverine's tracking. They, you know, they find the base where the guys were. Kitty's hacking the computer. The awesome use of Namor. The, yes. the, the Namor activation, um, you know, and you know, and you see them get to the bottom of the of the crisis, and it just happens to be at the same time that an earth, you know, a major earthquake is going to hit San Francisco. There's nothing they can do about it, but oh, lo and behold, Magneto can stop it, and so Magneto floats up into the air, and there's a great two page spread by Pacheco with Magneto over the Golden Gate Bridge, lifting up the cars off the bridge, and basically keeping the earthquake at bay, saving the city, and very publicly showing to everybody that he is here in San Francisco, and that he is there to help. So it kind of solves the PR problem at the same time. Just really well written, really well thought out, well constructed story. And honestly, you know, 
anybody who doesn't read Uncanny X Men, you could hand you know if they have a working knowledge of of the X Men and of Marvel, they know who they are, you know who Wolverine is, that sort of thing. This is a perfect jumping on point, especially with the next story arc starting next issue. Which, by the way, quick plug: we talked to Kieran about that on I Fanboy Don't Miss. So on Monday, you're gonna want to take a listen to that to hear more about Uncanny X Men five thirty five. You know, it, it for me, like at the end of the day, at the end of through my stack, you know, I gave a lot of fives out this week. Like Fear Itself, yeah. I did a review of Fear Itself on Monday. I thought Fear, we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. I thought it was great. I thought it hit on every note. I thought Bryce Day was strong. Non player was amazing. Who is Jake Ellis was amazing. But for me and my tastes, this was like I was giddy. I was like, oh, you know, and, and I talked about it in my review. If anything, and you guys know this better than anything, if anything, um, there are several qualities I have which I have to a fault, which I understand, that I can be loyal to a fault and that I can be optimistic to a fault. What the hell you say? (laughs) And for some reason, whenever there's the promise of a new creative team that I like the feeling of, and in this case, Kieran Gillen writing X-Men – I'm just filled with optimism for the future that, oh, yes, this is going to be it. It's going to be great. And and not that I want it to be like it was. It's never going to be like it was. I understand that. But I just want it to not be like when Chuck Austin wrote it. Like that's really that's the ba- that's that really yeah that got into your bones yeah it did so, uh, it's also low it's a low hurdle to jump <laughs> yeah. that's true it could be I think it can be better than that yeah I, I think you've been there well I mean here's the thing is that people people were on the in the comments and like, well Ron likes the X Men blah 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 but but Connor you liked this book a lot this was fantastic I gave it five stars also it, you got it's it you, you picked it up yeah are yeah. you back on. Well, that's the thing. I liked it so much it made me sad because when I was done with it, I was like, there's no way I could continue because isn't Greg Land still drawing it? No, no, the next arc is by Dodson, and unfortunately the arc after that is Greg Land. But, right. but hey, I, I'm, again, I'm hopeful because there's a, another artist that's worked with Gillen before waiting in the wings, and I'm <laughs> hoping you know, that, that Mod Cyclops will be a reality in the pages <laughs> of Uncanny. So, I mean, I don't know. No, I, this was fantastic. This was yeah. a s- completely solid... X-Men story. And I don't, I don't want to say by the numbers because that makes it sound rote, but it was by the numbers. and yep. It hit all the points. It introduced you to all the characters. It told you why they were all special and interesting. The part with Magneto was really, really interesting because what makes him unique amongst the major villains in all comics is that he's also somewhat good. Yep. And he, can, he strays over the line depending on which way he wants to go that, that month. But the fact that he's, he's sometimes on the X-Men and it makes it an interesting dilemma for them is, is also an interesting story point because you know, it's like Doctor Doom joining the Fantastic Four, which is actually happening in Fantastic Four. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's it's an interesting dichotomy because sometimes this guy's trying to kill you, sometimes he's trying to help you. So it's yep. it's a fun thing to play with. And Gill- Gillen nails these these characters. He this is the best X Men book I've read. In ter- I mean, I mean X Men, not you know X Force or whatever, just X Men right. in forever. Yeah, and I haven't read a lot, but I, I keep I keep dabbling whenever there's a new creative team. I dabble with Brubaker, I dabble with Fraction. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I, you know, I came when Ed Brubaker and Mike Carrion. I was like, all right, I'll give it a try, and I could, I could never get into those. And yeah. X Men is my is my version of Ron Superman. I think. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's Everyone fair. Yeah. I don't really like, but I, I, I really enjoyed the heck out of this. And I, I, when I finished, I was like, wow, I'll, I'll continue. Then I realized I don't really like. Greg Maybe I'll stay for the next arc. Yeah, try the next arc, and and, and um, because it's Dodson, and Dodson's solid. Um, and I've seen, I've seen, we got Dotson, Dotson, and I've seen, I, I, I've seen some pages from it, and it <laughs> I've seen some pages from it, and it looks good, and it, it's going back to the break world, um, and you'll hear, you'll hear, and you'll hear when on, on Don't Mess, Karen talks about it, um, but like he's, he's like basically he's like dealing with the kitty problem, you know, it's been a year, and so you know, like I think that's good, you know, like that finally someone's going to deal with it. I feel, I feel as if you know, if you focus the the thing is with the X Men is that there's so many different characters, and within Uncanny, you need to focus on a, a 
single group, a single core, team, yeah, and then you could pull people in and out as needed. Um, like in the, even in this issue, you know, like uh, the X, you know, like the people make little you know cameo appearances or little moments or things like that. Um, and it's it, you know it, it, that's okay to happen, but you got to have some focus, and it's got to be a balance between the emotions and the relationships and the politics. And I feel as if this one this touched upon that. It was a very well done issue. Yeah, really it was great. It. It's a re- lot, really, really good. So I wasn't surprised that you picked it over Fear Itself number one, which yep. was uh, something you reviewed on my fanboy earlier this week, and you gave it a rave review, five star rating. Yeah, I thought it. Uh, I thought it did re- really. I thought it did, despite the uh, architect's double page, double page uh, ad um, <laughs> with creepy Bendis. I, I thought you know go, going into Fear Itself, and, and hopefully everybody read my review on the site. But going into it, going into the event with all the hype of all the stuff, I felt as if it really it it set the stage in a way that an event book needs to set the stage you you gave it a five star rating i gave it a four on the site but that was an extra star for the art i probably would have given it like a three and a half three star rating because i I enjoyed it i didn't dislike it i enjoyed it enough i want to read more but my biggest problem with this this issue was twofold one there was no big moment every event needs to start off with a big moment to really bring you into the story nothing really happened shockingly or bigly in this in this issue it was all it was more of like a second issue and two i still don't know what it is about I mean, I don't know if there's a guy coming and they're going to fight him, but other than that, they're yeah, really I do, they, I do they, feel they like play I the story them. out for you. Like Civil huh. War, the first issue, you knew there was a, there was a split between the heroes. They were going to fight each other. In this issue, I still don't, I don't know what's coming. And that's not necessarily a bad thing right. in general, but for a big event book, you need to know what the stakes are right away. Uh, and that yeah. was my, big, my two biggest problems with this issue. I'm right there with Con- – I actually did give it a three. And I, I love Eminem was fantastic. Eminem just is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I, and I, I like the style he's using here. You know, like because he always does a sort of different kind of style, and it was just slightly different for it. There was a few things though that I agree with, kind of what Connor says. I don't really know. I feel like I missed something. And as an issue, I guess I was supposed to read the Prelude book. Oh, you see, I read the Prelude book. Did you not read it? The prelude, but the Prelude was basically the same thing. They covered the same ground. There was yeah. nothing. Well, this learned. is the number one, so I shouldn't have had to read that. Right. I mean, true. Yeah. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. Well, no. Know. I mean, I mean, essentially, what what you've got is you've got you know. Uh, this is why this is my justification. That I thought of you got the opening scene. You know, with the it's clearly the not. You know, it's supposed to be right. You know, like nine eleven build site related. You know, but without saying it, which is that I like that. I like that he didn't say I it. I thought it was actually. I thought that was a little pokey. I was like, name what it is we're talking about. Are we talking no, about no, I, no. I'm kind of glad about. that. It, I'm glad that it, I, I kind of like that it was somewhat a theory. It's just the fact that it's a conflict and people are disagreeing and it I breaks into right. the murky ground though when you start to root to exactly late real world. Oh no, more. I'm not saying it has to be right. Well, no, that's I'm true. saying in general. That's one of all, another criticism is that actually is that when you get too real with this stuff, it yeah. gets weird because well, and then, that but that's their whole thing with this. Right. But my my problem with that scene actually was that we got a little return of of what I think was was uh, MySpace freaked out Steve. Yeah, like he was just a little like naive, and I'm like he's like at this point I feel like he he is a man. In out what of sense? Time. In what sense? He's just like, no, no, these people will be fine. I was like, you haven't spent much time around people. Where do you say these people will be fine? Like, where he's like, it's democracy. Everything, like, he didn't think a riot was going to happen or he didn't think it was going to, you know. No, I don't know about that because, I mean, I think when, the, when the camera shoves in his face and they're like, what, what side of the issue are you on? And he, and he says, are you kidding me? I'm anti riot. Now go home. No, I thought that was, that was, that was, yeah. That was a wonderful two panels yeah. totally before that. But yeah. before that, when he was just like, it'll be fine. They're just get, letting us He never says it'll be I'm, fine. Uh, he never. He doesn't say. Sharon that. says they've got it. Well, no, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, I know, but like, he, this is chaos, and he's like, no, no it's, it's democracy. democracy, right? Yeah, that's that's the, the, you, so you're you're applying a, a interpretation to that. Well, the subtext yeah. is sure. that's yeah, fine. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the subtext. Yeah. No, I, I, and that's it is. But I mean, everybody has their idea of a character characterization. I just yeah. think that this is sort of the version of Steve where he's a little more out of touch, which yeah. we've seen now and then. I, I don't necessarily like that. 
and then like there was just like a couple of little character moments like t- like Steve is calling Tony Stark. I didn't like that. I the, the Steve the the Steve Tony stuff on top of the Avengers Tower. I'm, I'm Why are they all standing up there? Yeah. It, that's just one of those that's one of those totally Avengers pet peeves I have where they're all just standing. There. Who is the dude in the white and black? Is that who is that? That's Marvel. that's Marvel. That's Marvel. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. Just, Novar or whatever it is. Yeah. Novar. Um, Novar, yeah. I I really I I um when uh Thor doesn't talk right. Thor, like Thor was, I don't know. His his he was talking too much like a like a normal dude, which is I know how it is now. But when he's just like, I just can't take you know he, when him and him and Odin were fighting, I just I don't know. I I want there to be Thor speak. I feel like there needs to be, especially like if he's fighting with Odin, he was just being yeah. a little too regular vernacular for me. I dug this stuff with Sin, you know, in the Nazi vault. I thought that was a really cool idea. Nazis are always good. Yeah, I, and no, I, I I wrote about it in my review. You know what I absolutely loved was um, when o- this the second time Odin and Thor you know have at the um, and it's like at dusk, so the color palette was great. Like Laura, Laura Martin did an amazing job on, on that. But it's when a beautiful book, yeah. But when Odin says Mjolnir drop, and I, I've never seen anyone draw Mjolnir the way Eminem's drawing it. That's like, good. You know, like, and, and the, when he made it drop, you felt like not only the weight of the hammer physically, but also the representative, representative uh, weight of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, what it stands for and all stuff that's like that. A, that's a really good point. Yeah. But, but Thor saying, all right, you one-eyed bastard. All right. I was like, that's not, that yeah. doesn't sound right. It just did, it, like, it didn't feel right. And that actually kind of tainted that whole scene. But, the, you know, the stuff was all there. I, you know, I, li- I loved the drop thing. That was the best part. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I, I thought the when when and then when Odin rebuilt the Rainbow Bridge, mm-hmm. like that gave me a little gaspy kind of moment, you know. Like, and I, and I kind of I know what you mean by like something big didn't happen and some and feeling, but but nothing actually says that something big has happened in the first issue. You know, what I mean, well, like that's what I'm saying it. I'm right. saying in an event story, something big needs to happen to draw you in and make you realize the state right. of the story. And it's it's right. And and the way I kind of looked at it was I kind of looked at this as like the first ten minutes of the movie. You know, and so you know, maybe the big thing happens next issue. I don't, I don't. It looks like it looks, as, it looks as if with the capital blowing up. But yeah, I, mean, I don't. In the modern age, you you got to be bring people in the first issue yeah. in a big story like this. You can't, you can't do a slow burn. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. All, I'm just not all excited about the idea. Like, I, I, you know, I hate to be like, but there's seven hammers. It just feels like a GI Joe storyline. Nine. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I don't even know how many, but like, there's a shitload of hammer. Like, okay, that's energy transmitter. That's, <laughs> happening, that's happening over in artifacts. They just did that in Green Lantern. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. It's a nice concept. It's very clean. It's yeah. going to sell T-shirts. So uh, I, I much believe that the that they're saying that that Odin isn't really the All Father. Yeah, and that this other dude's the All Father. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's interesting enough. I, I'm looking forward to reading the whole thing. I just didn't yeah. love it as much as I was hoping to have loved yeah. it. But I didn't. I didn't dislike it either. No. Yeah. For me, it hit, it hit the notes I wanted to. I thought it set the stage really well, and it set the it set the pieces in place. And for me, it felt it felt like reading a. And it's so cliche to say, but like these event books and stuff like that are you know are the action movies or the big summer blockbusters, and it felt like that as opposed to just That's, another. I didn't, sh- I didn't feel like that at all. That's not oh, okay. my problem. I didn't okay. feel like an action movie. All right. I didn't feel like so the beginning of Civil War. The first couple issues was like knock your socks off action movie, which was yeah. what it needed. Well, to that's be. and 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 you know Mark Miller, yeah, that's right. his thing. True. So while we were at WonderCon this past weekend, we were hearing rumblings and rumors of of something big coming in brightest day. <laughs> that was my favorite email. Ron just sent an email to all of us. He was like, "Does anybody know what they're talking about?" <laughs> I just I'm reading Brightest Day. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I gotta admit, I didn't see this coming. I didn't either. In Brightest Day 23, we're one issue away from the end, and we learn. And uh, what's happened so far is that these people that were resurrected in Blackest Night 
have been sent on a quest by the White Lantern. They don't know what it is, and they've been dying slowly. And so they've been reborn in this issue as the elementals protecting the Earth. So you've got the water elemental, which is Aquaman, the air elemental, which is the Hawks, the fire elemental, Firestorm, and the, the Earth elemental, John Jones, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but we'll go with Did it. Did you mean the Mars um, element? <laughs> yeah. And so they're told that they've got to protect the Earth from the dark avatar, which lives inside the Earth, which we've known about for the whole story. And in this issue, the dark avatar appears... And it's the resurrected sort of Black Lantern corpse of Swamp Thing. And the Just way that they crazy. were this, through this issue was the first they mentioned the Parliament of Trees. And I went, ooh. Yep. Because I've been reading the, the Alan Moore hardcovers in the last year. And I read the f- first five. So I'm well-versed in that at this point. And, and I went, oh, my goodness. Because that's been a Vertigo concept or a Vertigo-ish section well, of the DCU for a while. And yeah, then uh, those things were in the DCU. Right. They were at the time. But then, but then they were shunted off. It's, it's very complicated, the, the yes, relationship between Vertigo and DC. But anyway, so they, re- they reference the fact that, that's, that the Star City Park that came up in the beginning is actually the new Parliament of Trees. And then they, they, they need to protect that Parliament of Trees from the Dark Avatar, which is Swamp Thing's old body. And at the very end, we see the Protector of Earth is, is revealed, and it's Alec Holland, who was the merged body of Swamp Thing. That's also a very complicated uh, relationship. But I thought, the, I thought this was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, be better than if it was, if it was Russell Hammond, which right. wouldn't make any sense. Although I would, buy the sh- I would buy the shit out of that book. So th- this oh. th- this was enormously important because this you know in the post Levitt's era is the f- is and the thing is at cons how many years have we seen at cons people asking Dan Dio when can they get Swamp Thing back in the DCU mm-hmm. yeah and he and and he always goes that's not me you have to talk to Dan- you have to talk to you know like you know like <laughs> well we, done. thank you yeah is it Vertigo we're, we're doing we're doing a lot to Dio at the con yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's always they've always said it's he's a Vertigo character and and it's not you know don't talk to them ask to talk to Vertigo when can they get him back and that sort of thing and now it looks like they did it and the thing it turns, is, it turns it, out we it, could make that decision yeah. it makes a lot of sense if you think about it because the whole idea of the story has been the protecting the planet and in this in the, in the realm of DC the planet's protector was Swamp Thing yeah. So if the ultimate champion of the planet needs to come back, it's got to be Swamp Thing if they're, if they're now breaking down the vertical wall. So I, I love this. You know, it's just another example of Jeff Johns building off Alan Moore. <laughs> it really kind of is. <laughs> it's it's, it's reverence Alan Moore, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and that's, not, that's not judgment because, to, you know, to no. be fair, the, the way that comics, the way that mainstream superhero comics work is that you build off what was, what was done yeah, before. Yeah, totally. Why yeah. not build it off the best things that were done before? Yeah. I got to admit that two-page spread of uh, the Dark Avatar Swamp Thing was awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah, this is like yeah. the this is like the week of two page spreads. It was a lot of them. There was a bunch in the best league panels feature this year. Yeah, no, I noticed that. Yeah, 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 totally. Now um, the Buzz book and all of comics right now. We we hear it talking about the cons. It's, it's talking about the stores. It's it's suddenly it was everywhere. It was non player, and finally issue one came out from Nate Simpson who wrote and drew. Yeah. And we have an interview with him coming up soon from from uh, WonderCon. From whatever the one con we went to, the, the, I call it the one March con. WonderCon. The March, March con. con. I was, March con. I was just at a one long con for a month. This was beautiful. Uh, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Josh, did you read it or? I did. I yeah. did. And uh, you're you're not wrong. It yeah. is beautiful. And it, it's one of those things. Like when I, when I first started, I was like, it had a vague feeling of familiarity. Basically, you have to read it, and I don't know if I can even explain because we don't know a whole lot yet. But it deals with the concept of sort of a, a sort of uh, not too distant future. And the idea of sort of an, an RPG role playing game and 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 avatars and sort of the real world, not real world, well, sort of very it's an MMO. I mean, it's very no crash, very Neil Stevenson-y. And Nate, and, and I asked very. Nate about that in our interview, and he, he talks about it, and he's very influenced by them. And it's and it's not a bad thing at all. I mean, it's yeah, so, it, yeah. So what I'm saying is, at first I was like, okay, I've read this before, or whatever, and then um, it sort of kept winning me over a little. And then by the end, I was like, okay, I haven't seen this. Yeah, that's interesting. 
and and so you couple that with the fact that it really is about as good looking a, a comic book, especially you know you're talking about how he's writing and drawing and just it doesn't look like anything else and coloring. He's doing everything. Yeah, it's and, lush and and, and, uh, and lettering. He's basically the whole. The story is there's a. The first half is inside the MMO. There's a girl. She's her character, and there's a fight. But you don't know that at first. You just think it's a fantasy story, and then you, it's revealed that it's an MMO. And then the second half is her being out of it in her life, and it's it's gorgeous. I mean, that I mean, the story is good, but the, the story of this book, I think, is just the art is wonderful. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I mean, yeah, no, the, the I mean, leaning more towards the art because the art is just amazing. I mean, it's it's literally breathtaking. The two page spread of her on her scooter and then it crossing over into the MMO world is the the last two pages of the book is just breathtaking. It's just like you, yeah. it gives you a sense of the scope and just like, oh, it's amazing and like the de- level of detail in the art. But uh, the thing is, I like the story. I mean, like I, you know, like it, from what I've read of it so far, yeah, like I think it's you know, like I like I, and I. I realized when I was reading it that like in 1992 when I read Snow Crash I loved it. I mean I think I read that book like I finished it and started reading it immediately again. Like it was that sort of thing and there've really been a lack of that you know that near future a future that you could actually believe happens kind of you know kind of stories at least that I haven't read. I'm sure they're out I, there. I I mean I think with this like the story at the beginning like I thought it was just going to be like I was like so you're just going to draw what it would look like in the game right. and I was like I don't I don't really care about that. But then it was more than that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you don't you don't want to see a bunch of ogres and elves and shit talking like regular people. Because who cares? Right. Well, you can read skull oh. you can read skull kickers for that. Right. That's not what I meant. I know. I know. Skull Cookers is good. You should read that. But yeah, it, it's just absolutely beautiful. And this was like, I kind of felt bad that this book came out on this week. Because if this book came out like last week, this could have easily been Pick of the Week. Yeah, I made, I made yeah. this my Pick of the Week. If yeah. I'd have had it. It was for amazing. Third week in a row. Yeah. I'd have written that. <laughs> we should have given it to you. We just totally should have. From now yeah. on, you just have to pick. Listen, Josh, I'm kind of oh. busy. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can I get you guys anything to drink? What we should do is just continue until, until he stops. Until, yeah. he, until he puts up a fight. Yeah. So yeah, but non-player is great. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's gonna it's gonna be another one of those cases where you're gonna see it on eBay for the number one issue for like fifty bucks. It's one of those image books that comes out every now and then that sort of sets the market on fire out of nowhere. And the problem is, I was talking to my retailer about this, and and it's, again, it's the problem with the direct market is there's no advance warning. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was sold out I, midday, and he had to people were calling the store. Do you have non-player? And because they can't order in advance and they can't reorder. Mm-hmm. They're, they all get screwed. Well, I really feel like I've been hearing buzz on this for a while, though. But oh, not yeah, the, enough for the pre Not enough for the pre-orders, yeah. I mean, like, I, fir- I first heard about it at Emerald City when I met Nate there and I saw the pinup. And I and admittedly, I'll be honest, I dismissed it. I'm like, oh, it's a fantasy book, whatever. Like, I didn't know the story of the premise, and I just kind of was like, oh, whatever. But so at least there's at least been about a month of buzz that I've been aware of. But that, that bu- you know, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem is the buzz has yeah. to start back in November, and it didn't. Yeah, so. Because no one's then, the But the thing that's is, the if the buzz starts in November, then three months later, does anybody remember? Exactly, no, or that, care. That, yeah. that's, the, that's the problem with comics. Yeah. 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 You can't win. Yeah. Very true. I do want to go and talk about a book that I think should be retitled uh, Art Superstars of Yesterday and Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Jonah Hex number 66. I, I mean, literally, I, I don't know if I could think of a book that has had a, a better rotating cast of artists on it. Nope. And and once again, uh, number 66 here with, by the way, one of one of the most wonderful covers just – you know, taking that sort of white on red uh, motif and just doing something really cool with it. Fiona Staples, who who Connor and I raved about uh, with her work on uh, Mystery Society from IDW last year, did this sort of. Again, all these are mostly one and dones about um, a little town of of cannibals. 
Uh, well, they've been they've been snowed in, you know, a yeah. harsh harsh plains snowstorm, and they've been snowed in, so they have no choice but to start eating each other. Mm-hmm. I always get excited when a great artist has a snow issue because there's so much oh. with the visual element of snow, and Fiona mm-hmm. Staples really utilizes it strongly. There's I love there's a one shot where he where Jonah Hex has been confronted by the townsfolk, and he he he, he kills them all off, you know, in between the panels. He's walking away, and they're just they're laying dead in the snow, and the some of the objects are half in the snow. It just it, it was a really strong visual element to this issue. The, the other thing that she did that really sold the whole issue for me is is the eyes of the of the people in the town, like the little family, oh, the like, cannibals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were just a little rounder and bigger, and their faces were a little. They were drawn. sunken. Their faces were sunken. Yeah. She did so a good right job. away, and this is something that comics should probably be able to do better, but you don't actually see it. Is that the visual cues in this book? The things that let you know that something was going on. All the all the girls, you know, in the brothel were a little too skinny, and you yep. saw it before they took a chance to mention it. Um, it. It was it was a really nice build to the hey, there's something wrong here. Uh, I mean, she's she's a great great artist, and I think we're going to see a lot more of her going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't wait for that because uh, it, was, it was beautiful stuff. And also, uh, just another, I was like, Jesus, how many of these stories do they have in them? <laughs> It's I'm, I'm amazed at 66, 66 months of this book. I know, but I can't tell. Like, there hasn't been a bad issue. There's maybe been a couple that weren't, like, stellar. Yeah, a couple of average ones, not bad ones. Hey, Jonah was spring for three whores. I didn't even notice that till now. <laughs> I don't think they even gave him a chance. They were just like, hey, and he's like, all right, I'll go with it. That's because they wanted to eat him and not yeah. in the sexy way. <laughs> awful way. The awful way, indeed. She actually, and she actually drew him a little bit so that you kept seeing him from the side that wasn't uh, mangled. So you sort of got to see him look handsome, which you don't oh, actually get. He's handsome that on the upside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, but like they, they just don't highlight it all that often. And some, like like Jordy Bernay doesn't really draw him like that. So it was, it was just a, a cool, great issue. Really, just yeah, all. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Fiona Staples fan now. That's what I know. We are part of the Graphically family, I, is I fanboy, the uh, digital comics platform, Graphically. Did you know that Graphically has over, it says two, but it's, I believe, closer to 3,000. Closer comics. to 3,000, yep. Yeah. On the cusp. Yeah. If, if they're not there right now, they will be very soon. So that 3,000 comics is a huge growth in sort of the amount of varied content on there. Publishers like Marvel, Archaea, Boom, Top Cow. Archie, literally, I could sit here and, and list publishers to you for a very long There's time. There's a lot of them. There's a ton of stuff on there. You can read them on your iPhone, your iPad, your desktop, either through the web. Uh, I was reading a book on the web earlier, and, and that's actually been approved just a little bit recently, too. Uh, earlier this week, I was reading a book on the web, and I was like, this is great. What did great. you read? You tweeted about it. 28 Days Later yeah, from yeah, yeah. Boom by, by Declan Shalvey. It's, it's cool. There's a lot of stuff like by guys who, like if, if you go through the Top Cow books, uh, there's a lot of stuff by guys who you know who were doing other stuff, if you want to look at other work, Declan Chalvey, like he was just as good then. Really good stuff. Or the desktop app, or then there's the Android app. Um, that's had a new update. That's a really good way to read too. So, you know, we don't just care about Apple people. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, lots of really cool stuff coming from Graphically this year. I, I mean, the, the development that's going on is constant and, and powerful. That's what I know. So, so come and check it out. Sign up. A bunch of free books. You can read like all of the boom books. You can read the first half of them for free uh, on, on most of the platforms. So you can check that out. Uh, also, we're having a little promotion for Marcosia. Marcosia is a British publisher. Um, they do all sorts of stuff. Again, names that you recognize working on these books, stuff like uh, titles called Cancer Town, this Hero 9 to 5. Like the, um, Good comics. The genres, yeah, the genres are very wide. And if you download uh, one Marcosia book, any, any title, just give something a try, uh, you'll be eligible to win every Marcosia book. It's over 130 downloads, um, a whole bunch of great comics. Josh, uh, am I eligible? You, no. No, no you're not. 
Um, um, so go to graphically.com and you'll get uh, all the other info you need and, and links to download all the, and sort of how to get the comics however you want them. So that's Excellent. that. Now, I have a confession to make. Ron and I have been on the road for half the month, so I haven't read all of my comics from this month. So if like, it was a week where I wasn't on the show, I didn't necessarily read them all. Mm-hmm. And so in the la- and this week I read Chew 18, which was this, this week's issue, and 17. So I read them back to back. In the correct order? In the correct order. And I marveled all over again about how good this book is. Oh, it's so good. In general, one thing I really honed in on this this time was the panel-to-panel transitions, which they use mm-hmm. for jokes. Like, you know, they, they do basically jump cuts to, like, a reaction shot. Mm-hmm. And Guillory's art is so great at showing the befuddled, rea- just the faces on these, <laughs> on these characters. Yep. You, you, like, in this issue, we cut to the, the USD. They're, they're basically, they're, the two and his partner have been, have been commissioned to join the USDA on this mission. And they're the last resort team. They've got some sort of special weapon. They don't know what it is. And they're like, what do we think we're going to do? And they cut to them looking at this giant box with, with a you know, <laughs> skull and bones on it. There's, there's, a great, there's great jump cuts in this issue. And you know, jump cuts are something you associate with film, but they do a really good job in the comic with this stuff. Yep. Great I, I mean, if any, like uh, the book's up for an Eisner, Guillory's up for an Eisner, like if there's anybody who deserves it, not that there's lots of, lots of really good, but I was so glad to see Guillory up there because, you know, sort of from out of nowhere. The, 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 and the thing is, I don't know how much is like because there's a lot of stuff in the background that uh, is it Guillory or is it Layman? But like when in the opening scene when they're showing Chu and his partner in various kind of scenarios, and there's one where they're you know in the, the, Jer- the Jersey Jer- Mob one, yeah, and the box is certainly not drugs for Jersey Mob guys. Like the, all those little right or like when he's on the plane with the USAD, USDA women and then the Nick Fury of them, the woman with the eye patch, and she's reading uh, Female Eye Patch Monthly. Uh, she's reading the magazine like and, it, and like it carries through to multiple panels like he's keeping these jokes going oh they're so funny but the but the the climax of it was the the weapon ends up being uh pollo which is the <laughs> awesome deadly um deadly chicken and we get pollo's pages and we get pollo's possible origin where he tells you why po- pollo is so lethal and then it's like nah just kidding none of that shit's true it's just like he's just a badass it's like <laughs> <laughs> he trained with shaolin monks yeah oh it was great a heart out it was great. This is this book is fantastic. I yeah. couldn't be happier for a book to find success than Chew, an yeah, indie yeah. book that it deserves it completely, one hundred percent. Yeah, so good. Um, it's so good. Speaking of sort of long, uh, well done fight sequences again yeah. with the with the tools. Oh, <laughs> I, you know what? I I was I was I was on the fence with about Cap, Ultimate Captain America. I decided, especially since it was only four issues, I really loved this little miniseries. Yeah, yep. because I, I, I don't. I don't like Ultimate Captain America very much. The no. character, yeah, he's a joke. Like, you don't have to in this mini. That's, no, that's, no. That's, no, you that's don't. But man, you know what? You know what this reminded me of, Connor? It's basically just a big knockdown, dragout fight. The thing we've been waiting for for the whole time—an ugly fight. You know, and like ripped out the throat of Deadwood. a snake. Yes, that was exactly what it was—the big Dan Doherty fight in season three of Deadwood, which is the greatest fight I've ever seen filmed. This reminded me of that. It was it was the mo- it was the moment when they stand up and and Nuke is holding to two hammers and then Cap stands up with a sledgehammer and they proceed to fight with hammers. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is great, Jason it was Aaron, very you much win. Like a Punisher yeah. Max type of fight with yeah. Captain America and his other crazy Captain America, and just, totally. like, it was fantastic. This was great. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, you know, it doesn't have to mean much. It just has to be a good, good story about these characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. I thought. It, then I thought it was over, and then you 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 end up with the oddest conversation between. Yeah, on the uh, on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you guys notice that we're watching the fight? The uh, yes, the Dickie yeah. Ward fight between Sugar. Ray. I did notice that they were watching the fighter fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and, then go, and then Cap goes and reads the Bible. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Annihilator's number two. I, I struggle with this book because I loved Advent Landing. It's just I don't like the art. 
Which wait of both? No, no, what? no. The Rocket Raccoon is a genius. It's fantastic. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, on its own. Yeah. Well, like, that's debate. Yeah. Really- you know, the, the, the criticism I've heard is that the Guardians is fun because they're the underdogs. The Annihilators are all the big guys, and yep. so it's not as much fun. Because exactly. Yeah, fun. yeah. But but for me, even like I like this because it's very Rom Space Knight heavy, and I'm I'm all about that. I'm cool with it. They don't call them Rom though, right? It, no, they call them Space, space Knights. Knights. Yeah, yeah. There's no Rom. Rom's not there. But they're Space Knights. But I just don't like the art and the the Rocket Raccoon thing is good. Is is great. Don't get me wrong. It's really good. It's just it's I don't know. Something about the series doesn't. Oh no no. I, my problem. I just miss Nova. The first part of it isn't isn't I I just don't want to hear Wendell Vaughn whining. Yeah, yeah. Or whoever whoever it is Wendell Vaughn now, right? That yeah, Quasar. Yeah, yeah Quasar. Yeah. I, I just like oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. I'm like there was a great I, there was a great Ronin moment in this though. He was like he was yeah. like pretty good even just for an alpha level like that yeah. was yeah. So oh, but is but if you Vaughn want the weeniest name in comics, possible. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dexter Vine next Dexter no, Dexter Wendell Miles. Vaughn's worse. Dexter Vine's an artist. I <laughs> uh, no, but but I th- I re- I've uh, the who's the artist on the rocket. Uh, raccoon one timothy green yeah oh beautiful like yeah, again sure. doesn't look like anything else i had a ton of fun with this and like the all the i am groots in it like it, yeah. it it didn't get old it was fun like this whole thing where he's gonna re- lead a revolution and then and then like no no we just we just want a shorter day it's just great comedy and a bunch of clowns yusagi yojimbo i've jumped back on i'm reading yusagi yojimbo again and this is a uh, they're all kind of the same and i don't mean that in a bad way but if you've been thinking about trying it, here's a really good place to, to jump on. You know, the, he, Usagi's wandering around. That's what he does. He meets some people. It leads to a bunch of fights and some intrigue. Um, Why did you jump back on? I, I don't know. I just felt just, like... Uh, just, it was a light I, week. Been, was it the light I, week bit? It wasn't for me. No, I had a ton of books. I had like nine books, some whole books. Like oh, I had, I, had, I had a lot for me. I don't really know exactly how many. I just because I'm I'm getting a little a little disinterested and so like I'm not that excited about some of the big stuff going on at, at Marvel and DC so I'm trying to read some of the other stuff so that's why. Another big release this week from Image was Blue Estate number one another one of those big buzz books which was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was okay. I I I, 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 I didn't love it. I, I mean, I, it wasn't. I, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it wasn't as good as non-player or who was Jake Ellis, but I, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it it had a very Pulp Fiction kind of feel to me. It's very much not your kind of book, actually. No, it isn't. I was surprised. Uh, I I liked the way it looked. I thought it was a really good looking book. Yeah. I like a crime story, so I'm definitely into it. But it it didn't quite have that X factor that makes it super special. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I can see that. I see that. Yeah, so. I want to read Great what cover. Yeah, good <laughs> cover. Yes. Speaking of great covers, Infestation number two, the best thing you can say about this book is the cover. I did not. Featured, I was, I was, I was unable Optus to finish Prime, it. Baroness, Spock, and Peter Venkman. That was the best part of the book. Yeah. Um, is this the last issue of Infestation? The or? last issue. We're done with Infestation now. It's, yeah. it, it never, as we pre- predicted, it never came to pass. Oh, so, I'm sorry. You all right? You know what the, sure, licensing issues kept it from happening, but. All, uh, all, all yeah. the little crossovers were fun. But I, I, I do not regret it because. Star Trek was fantastic. Ghostbusters yeah. was fun. G.I. Joe was solid. Transformers was not that good. But overall, you know, I didn't care about the framing device stories. Yeah. This yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't read it. I was like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, cool. So those are the books that came out this week that we enjoyed. And over on ifanboy.com slash comics, you can do your pull list and you can rate and review your books and you can make your own pick of the week. So we'll try something new this week. I want to highlight who the top five pick of the weeks were for the community. All right. Five top, Starting or? from five, yeah, five to number one. So the number five was non-player number one. Seven percent of you at the Good. time of recording picked this. That picked that pick of the week. Number four was Avengers: Children's Crusade. Number five, strongest issue so far. Eight percent of eight percent of you made the pick of great art, right, Connor? Yes. Oh, so good. Um, number three was Chew. Number eighteen at thirteen percent. So solid. Brightest day number twenty-three comes in at number two with twenty-three percent. And number one 
it's probably Uncanny X-Men, right? No. No. <laughs> I don't believe so. It's Fear Itself number one. 29% of you made it your pick of the week this week. So Fear Itself number one was the winner of the iFanboy community pick of the week this week. What was the – where was X-Men in that list? X-Men was uh, – Uncanny X-Men number 534.1 uh, was 11th in the ranking with 1.5% of you making your pick of the week. Come on, people. It's not nothing. Not nothing. No, no. It was on I was, for a while. I was like, oh, I hope it's on the list. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go to ifanboycom slash comics and you can see all the all the comics and see you can sort them by pick of the week and you can make your own pick of the week. But you can also review them and we have a couple of reviews from the um, from those out there. And uh, Connor, you want to lead us off? Yes, Oliver Twist reviewed Who Is Jake Ellis number something three three and three. gave a story of five out of five and the art of four out of five and. 2.4% of the iFanboys made it their pick of the week, so it would have fallen somewhat above on Kenny X-Men, but below non-player on the list. And this is Oliver Twist's complete review. He says, This issue continues the mystery of John and Jake and a great page-turner. The pencils in this issue aren't as strong as the first issue, but still worth checking out because they are still damn good. Nathan and Chanchi use a color and shot panel selection to bring a lot of interest, excitement, and serves as visual cues for a conversation between the two characters, which is the standard of the issue. After reading this three issues, I am just as excited about the reveal at the end as when I put down the first issue. I I love this issue. This was awesome. I meant to pick up this series at one of the cons, but I never did, so I did oh, that. Yeah. Um, there's a great heard, se- Did this get picked up? I heard this is extended. Did it? I have no idea. We're going around. This got extended. extended oh, maybe. That could be wrong. I still stand. If you read on the back cover, it says one of the best comic books of 2011, I fanboy, and I still stand behind that comment. It, this is fantastic, and and there's a great nightclub sequence where they use color, and so like each panel changes from like bright pink to bright orange, and you really get the sense that you're in a nightclub. Like, oh, it was great. There's a map. It's it's got everything you ever, ever want. If I don't pick up the issue, oh, there's a map. Hold on, sure. I gotta add. I gotta add a fifth star. I didn't know there was a map. There's a map. Cut out yeah. map. Is it a cutout map? No, it's not a cutout map. It's a full page yeah. map. Anyway, so all right, our, that book then. Our next review comes from Old Man Logan eighty eight, who reviewed Herc number one and gave the story a four out of five and the art a three out of five. It's time of recording. One point six percent of you made it your pick of the week. Coming in more than X Men. More than X Men. Just saying. Um, <laughs> so Old Man Logan eighty eight says, as someone who hasn't read any of the Hercules stuff before, I decided to give this a try, and I was surprised how much I liked this. I thought that the way that pa- uh, Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti explained what all the weapons do and their meaning and how Herc would use them to defeat his opponents. The art was solid and leaned very much on the street level feel of the book, and I would recommend that someone who has not picked up Hercules. This book, give this book, a, give this book a try because it's very good. And I gotta admit, I've heard Fred Van Lenti talk about it, and he's pitching this book as um, Conan in the city, mm-hmm. which I was like, aw- awesome, yeah. Like, so, <laughs> so it's, I'm glad to hear that it was that it was good. So, because um, for some, for, I, I love the fact that a Hercules book exists. I don't know, why. and it has, yeah. like, it, it continues like, to. Yeah, I mean, like it would be. I get, I get it if it come out for a little while. It's been a long time now. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a little not. bizarre. Yes. So go to ifanboy.com/slash/comics and do your picks and your reviews and your pick of the weeks and all that fun stuff. Get involved. It's great that the more the merrier. Josh, Next. you want to take us off the emails? I will. First email is Rick Huerta. I've finally been able to successfully jump on board to pretty much all of the current Marvel universes. I'm primed for and primed and ready for Fear Itself and Death of Spider-Man. That said, what is the astonishing line, and is it going to be an attempt at a different version of the Ultimate? I read that each of the series will stand alone as its own story, yet Astonishing Thor seems to be closely tied to what's happening in the 616. Have you heard through your various sources <laughs> what Marvel's short and long-term plans are for this line? He writes as if it's new. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure the astonishing line is meant to be stories it's, it's on their own. 
Is it in continuity? Well, Astonishing X-Men was in continuity. They, they built well, no, that's that's before. That's not the new Astonishing line. Oh, so there's a new? Yeah, yeah. Astonishing Spider-Man and, and Wolverine, Astonishing X-Men. That's in, that's not, no, not those are not in continuity. I don't think they're in continuity. Why, why not? Why couldn't Spider-Man and Wolverine be in continuity? They could be. That's the, thi- that's the thing. Is that The thing is, is that they're... Uh, Astonishing X-Men definitely wasn't. The Warren Ellis, uh, Car- Carrie Andrews one. That definitely wasn't. But the thing is that they all have – they could be. That's, that's why they're unique. I think that ah, they're just they're – just, But they, they don't have to be. Exactly, exactly. That's why that's it's – That's why they're usually good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean they're just they're, – they're the core of the characters. They're not a reinvention. They're not anything new. But they're putting them and telling a story that can exist outside of what's going – that exists outside of what's going on in the monthly books. But you know, if you enjoy the monthly books, you'll enjoy that as well. It's funny because they, they're like – it would be superfluous if they weren't really good. Yeah. I guess, you know, and, and I guess so that the, you know, like the ultimate Spider-Man Wolverine, you know, really good. Really good. If it wasn't, you'd be like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what Astonishing Cap is like. And, and I guess I'm not reading Astonishing Thor, so I can't tell you. But I, 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 all these. It's confusing. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the problem is that all the Astonishing books have influences and ties to the 616. So like they're they're plausible, but from what I understand is that they don't necessarily need to be in there. Like they're There's, you know. But they are spin-offs of that version. Yes, exactly. Not not the ultimate version. Right. Or, they're, or, or they're not new versions. They should yeah. they're not supposed to be anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, there it's you confusing. go. Confusing. It's a little confusing. How's that? But how's that any different than Marvel Knights? Which is Marvel Knights isn't in continuity. Uh But actually, but Daredevil oh, was. It's very confusing too. My head. The new Marvel Knights isn't in continuity. Move on. Unless it, I, in, until it is. It, oh, put wrap your brain around that one. I can't. It's a, it's a, it's too much. Gregory Brown writes in says, "I'm a fan of different forms of media, and I got into comic books around the same time I discovered anime and manga." I went I went weird A on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I find it interesting that a lot of comic book fanboys scoff at manga and vice versa. Can you guys point out some reasons why? Also, I can't really guess why because I, I can't stand most other fanboys and fangirls and beeline to the register. I assume he means at the store. <laughs> what do you think? Why can't why can't we get along? Why don't people comic people like manga and anime? Why don't I mean, anime manga like comic people? Why can't Star Wars and Star Trek people get along? I like because both. Everything, everything like both. That, that people like to like their thing and then hold it above another thing. Everybody wants to be a part of something. Yeah. Um, usually, usually that means being against something. Yeah, because it's true. easy. To, it's also it's really easy to generalize and go. Well, people who like manga, there's just little girls who like. Well, they're weird. I mean, have you ever met a manga person? That, that <laughs> is a joke. That is a joke. Uh, <laughs> we've been to cons. I've seen a lot of them. But I've also seen a lot of weird comic book people. So uh, everyone is weird. There's all weird people in every group, and I don't know. There's why? Who knows? Because because who knows? Yeah. The thing though about manga is, and 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 it's important to note is that. There's no, there's not a type of manga. It's like you couldn't say there's a type of comic book because every kind of comic manga just means it's a Japanese or well, no, but 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 for admittedly, I was like, I don't read manga, just flat out, you know. But that's not true anymore. Right? No, it's not true anymore because I realized. I mean, I guess kind of what I liken it to is like, is like, okay, we like comics, so we should like American comics and and manga comics. But for some reason, we don't. Similar to, hey, I like sports, I like baseball, but I don't like basketball. Because everyone wants to be part of the tribe, and the tribe exactly that means being against. So that's really the reason why everyone wants to be it, – it, it's, it's a way of identifying and making your own identities to be against it, something as much yeah. as being for something. But manga is not – I mean like a, a manga I mean, does – no, it doesn't read the same as an American comic. There are stylistic differences that sort of just sort of go with the 
right. go with the, the thing. And, and you can have a preference for one or the other. Like, you know, I understand the language of American comics a little better. But there's manga I like. There's manga I don't like. There's American right. comics I like and vice versa, you know. It just, it just all boils down to everybody aligning with what they connect with and then wanting everyone to, to agree with them. That's basically what it is. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So right. that, that's how wars are started. All right. So uh, go, <laughs> shoot us an email, contact at ifanboy.com. We always love to hear from you. We also love to hear from you on the voicemails. It's been a while since so we take some voicemails, so I make sure we we checked in from you all. And this first voicemail has got a question that only Connor can answer. Oh, great. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Anyway, I had a question. Uh, Sean from New York. Metropolis, Gotham, Keystone. Where are they? Uh, I know they're Midwest, East Coast, respectively, but, you know, they're in the United States, letting Alexis president. Uh, which states? Have a good one. Well, now, personally for me, I've always seen New York City as Gotham and Metropolis as Chicago, and then all the other cities were in the Midwest, smaller cities you know, in the I, Midwest. I, I always thought that sort of stylistically, like, Manhattan is like Metropolis, but, like, no. Gotham is like the other no, well, stylistically, the, 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 Danny O'Neill has the famous quote that Gotham is New York at night and Metropolis is New York during the day. Interesting. That's, that's, that is the, the influence. Now, Sean, Sean, there is no answer, straight answer, because DC doesn't give a straight answer. They don't tell you mm-hmm. exactly where these cities are. We know that Gotham is on the East Coast because it's near New York. It's near Bloodhaven. And Coast Cities on the Coast Cities on the West Coast. West Coast. And we yeah. know that Keystone is central in the central or central part of the United States, Midwest. Yeah. Metropolis is shown as being on the East Coast, although in Smallville it's in, it's in Kansas. So it really depends on what the need of the story is. I have the DC Atlas from 1990. They put out with the role playing game, <laughs> and uh, don't ask me why I have this. And it shows Gotham as being in New Jersey. And it shows Metropolis as being in Delaware. Now, I don't, I don't follow those things. Interesting. But uh, I, I see the, the, the answer is there's no official, as far as I know, placement of these cities. They're just in these nebulous zones. But Metropolis and Gotham and Bloodhaven are all on the East Coast. Well, no, the, the thing is that I know, I know the least about D.C. geography and D.C. history and stuff like that. But I always got the sense that Gotham was near water, so I just associated with the East Coast. And more of a New York thing, and not so much as the influence, but for whatever reason, Metropolis. I always, I always felt was in the Midwest, and so I always connected it with Chicago. No, it's oh. always been on the East Coast. Really always. interesting. Yeah. Keystone. Unless you're talking about watching Smallville, then it's in Kansas. Oh well, yeah, exactly. What you can see. No, no, no. It could still be in Chicago. You could just see it from Kansas, from that, from that windmill. It's just there's nothing in the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's Opal? Opal City. Good question. No one really I, knows. I, they, I really don't. But I, there's nothing around it. Yeah. Like, Opal predates this or postdates this book, so I could tell you. But like uh, every time I try to think about where Opal is, we like, should ask James next. I'm going to ask James next time I see him. Yeah, you should. Yeah, that's a good idea. Answer where these cities are, but DC doesn't give them because yeah. DC, you know, it's it's a way of making the stories fit the uh, the circumstances. I, I yeah. think that, that's good. Yeah. I like the the mystery. Build your own a little of it more than just telling you. Your own geography, like your own continuity. Make your own map. Yeah, exactly. All right, our last voicemail has got a question about uh, related to all this uh, X Force popularity. Hey guys, this is uh, Lee from Austin, Texas. I had a I had been reading Uncanny X Force and it's it's really good. I've never really read an X Men book or anything like that before, but I'm really enjoying it. But looking around the internet, there like seems to be a lot of hate for like Phantom X and everything, and I don't really understand why. Like I really think he's a cool character and everything, but I don't understand it. Is it because he's French? What I don't know. So you guys could answer that for me. That'd be great. Thanks. So, Ron, yes, for the class, <laughs> explain why you hate Phantom X. Well, uh, here's the thing. I'm kind of coming around to him. 
Tremendous series. Yeah, no, the reason why I hated Phantom X is because he, well, he, he was introduced in Grant Morrison's run, and it was just another... I felt as if it was, a, it was trying too hard. It was it was a character coming in, you know, doing the whole danger diabolique thing and making him French and making him part of the Weapon Plus program and changing what we you know like it was it was it was very pushing the the limits of what I was willing to give on Morrison's run, which we all know I had problems. Yeah, that run. Yeah, exactly. Which I, as I get older, I'm like, ah, it's not as bad. Um, but <laughs> considering I just bought a page, considering I just bought a page from it. <laughs> Recently, in, in X Force, I've come around to him and I'm actually enjoying what he brings to the table. But there, there was something about him in Morrison's run that made him unlikable to me. I really liked his oddness. In, yeah, in, in X Force at least, I, oh, yeah. I I vaguely remember reading the Morrison stuff. I have but I no memory of him from, from Morrison's run. Oh yeah, yeah. That's... I have a vague memory of it, but really, it's it's all about the current run, which is great. Yeah, which is fantastic. So maybe maybe we're seeing a reclamation of Phantom X. He'll be a he'll be he'll, he's the new Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, you watch ten years yeah. from now. There's going to be Phantom X Core, Phantom yep. X Team Up, Phantom, Phantom X Family. Family. Yeah, <laughs> those cool. are all real Deadpool titles, by the way. I'm <laughs> not even making anything up there. Sad. Anyway, so um, if you have any questions, you can shoot us an email at one eight eight fanboys. It's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. And as I mentioned earlier, we have another podcast called I Fanboy Don't Miss, which comes out every uh, just about every Monday, uh, where we talk to a creator for fifteen minutes about a book that's coming out this week um, that you definitely can't miss. And this week we're talking to Kieran Gillen. Uh, the writer of Uncanny X-Men, and he's talking about Uncanny X-Men 535 and what you can expect with the new story arc. And it's a great point to jump on, people. So check out yeah, X-Men. translator. Yeah. <laughs> no. subtitles. He definitely, he definitely makes it interesting. Did so you um, your CDs? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a great conversation. It's always good to talk to Kieran. He's a lot of fun. So um, and, and it's full of laughs. So subscribe to iFanboy. Don't miss. Uh, don't miss it every Wednesday, every Monday. Do you, do you, do you laugh a lot during this interview? I, I bet might. you do. I might. Probably. I might. Keep in mind, I did it because of the the time difference. It was like seven a.m., so maybe I'm a little more muted. Yeah. So, but yeah, I still brought it. I brought it. <laughs> so, um, so don't miss iFanboy. Don't miss on Mondays. You can find that on iFanboy.com, where you can also find my Pick of the Week review as well as all the great writing and posts and everything that's been going on there. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're kicking ass in terms of content on the site. Uh, Tom Cater's post this past Friday was shamed me. <laughs> it's like I can't I can't write after he he makes it he's so much better than everyone but everyone everyone on the site is great you know uh, Jimski and Romo and Paul and Allie and everybody's doing a great job so definitely go to ifanboy.com read it all there we love everybody partaking in the community there and we have our video show last week was part two of C2E2 and this coming week is part one of WonderCon so as we continue continue the con love con deluge yes it's going to be insane but um, I didn't see Eric LaSalle on that episode once I know he's I was in the back. <laughs> oh, wait to see the cameo we got for WonderCon. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> so you can find that every Wednesday on ifanboy.com. And subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you heard the voicemails that were on the show earlier, those were very good examples. They had a question, short, they were to the point, they got out of there, uh, and let us know who they were. Those are all the things you want to do. But no hey, you know, take, take your swing and, and where you're from. That's an optional, but we like it. It'll help, is what I'm saying. So that's how you can get in touch with us. And those can either be on this show or they could be on a video show. They could be, you may just get an email back eventually. Or we might just read it ourselves. Yep. Yeah, just to ourselves. And then go, yeah, you're weird. Click. <laughs> Finally, if you like, you like what we do, you can write us a review on iTunes for this show, for the Don't Miss show, for the video show, basically any show we do, or any of our show, friend shows, any Tom versus shows. Aquaman, Word Balloon, all those shows. 11 o'clock comics. Give them a review on iTunes. It really helps people find the shows. I really, really appreciate it. It doesn't take you very long. 
And it's, it's probably the least you can do for listening. It really thanks you very much for doing that. Yep. And or talk to your mom about it. Just be like, Mom, it's time we had to talk about podcasts. Hello? <laughs> it's like, Who is this? No, podcasts. Hello? Is this, what does this have to do with the government shutdown? <laughs> just let her know. Let her know that there's a couple of weird dudes who talk about comics and they might, she might want to listen to just, just, three, just, three du- just three dudes. Nobody needs to know. Just three dudes. Nobody yeah. needs to know. Very state yeah. of interest. Why are there three dudes here? <laughs> uh, cool. So it's good to be back. Uh, we, we're we're going to be sticking around for a couple of weeks. I don't think we should have any subs out. Uh, no more cons, at least, are going to be in the way. So Actually, guys I, guys, I wanted to talk to both of you. What about it? Paul and I have been talking, and we just think that it's time for a change. Right. Wonderful. So, Let's less work for us. All right, cool. So until so, I guess this is our, us signing off then. So uh, <laughs> so we'll talk to you another time. I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. And I'm just glad to have you back, guys. That didn't sound like it a couple minutes ago. I, that was a whole bit. I did. <laughs> it was the thing. I, I am though. Those other guys. I mean, there. We should shut this off. I'm glad I'm